welcome to The Hope Project. On this podcast, we talk about matters of sex, sexuality, relationships, shame, and so much more. The goal of this podcast is always to bring hope to your sexuality and freedom from any unhealthy views you may have been taught growing up. And if you've enjoyed what this project is aspiring to do, then there are a couple ways you can support us. First, you can leave a review on the channel. This helps us stay relevant to the audiences we are trying to reach. Second, you can go to our Patreon and see how to support us financially. We are so grateful to all the people who have supported us and continue to support us on this project. This episode is a part of Season 2. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the trailer for Season 2, I recommend you do that now before listening to this episode. On today's podcast, we have LaDawn Johnson joining us. We're going to be talking about her story and about healthy sexuality and specifically what that looks like for women. And we get into some deep things. Um, So I just recommend right now that you prepare your heart for it um, and you really ready yourself for some of the the hard things we're going to be talking about. But regardless, she has some incredible things to say and some awesome insight onto what healthy sexuality looks like for women. So let's dive on in. Hey guys, uh, welcome back to the podcast today. I'm sitting here with LaDon and we're going to be talking about healthy sexuality. Uh, we're not exactly sure where that's going to take us. <laughs> um, it's going to go somewhere in her story, but also in just what she's found to be helpful. Um, but we'll kind of just see where we go. But first, before we get into that, LaDon, could you tell us a little bit about who you are, um, yeah. kind of what you're doing at this point in your life? Yeah, so um, currently I am an associate professor at Biola uh, University for Sociology, and my focus is on gender and especially gender-based violence, Hmm. um, looking at that and also looking at masculinity and femininity within Christian culture. Um, What does that mean and, you know, how does that play out into people's lives on a daily basis? Um, And before that, I worked in downtown Los Angeles as a psychiatric social worker for LA Unified School District. Mm. So I'm trained as a, as a clinical social worker as well. So um, definitely have listened to a lot of stories yeah. on intimacy, sexuality, mm-hmm. relationships, mm-hmm. all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the gauntlet <laughs> of what we're talking about. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Glad we got the perfect candidate. That's it. <laughs> um, okay. So we're talking about Healthy Sexuality Day. Um, why... Why should we talk about this? Why does this matter? Yeah, I, um, man, I grew up in the church and I am much older than probably many of these listeners here. Um, <laughs> we have some older <laughs> listeners too. Okay, good. <laughs> um, but, you know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s and um, just things like this didn't get talked about very well mm-hmm. um, or at all. Mm-hmm. And I think even parents struggled with how to talk to their kids about sex mm-hmm. and sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and there just really wasn't a whole lot of direction. Um, and then for a brief period of time, there were things like focus on the family. And then mm-hmm. we started to see purity culture movements happening in the 90s with True Love Waits and mm-hmm. things like that. But it still really wasn't a strong opener for talking about things that are a little deeper when it comes to our sexuality. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, I feel like these topics are important for us to talk about because we really haven't figured out how to open up space in our church to Mm -hmm. truly have deep and vulnerable conversations about sexuality Mm -hmm. and, um, and even to question what would be healthy sexuality. Like, what is that? Yeah. Um, that's that's a good question. So 
I'm yeah. excited for our time today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited too. <laughs> um, so I guess a, a question before we get into maybe a little bit more of the meat. Um, how does it affect you when you're not healthy in your mm. sexuality? Because I think people can know how it affects you if you're not healthy in your physical state, maybe your emotional yeah. state, maybe even your mental state. But sexuality, like unhealthy sexuality is yeah. probably not one that's easily noticeable, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, so how does it affect us when you're unhealthy in your sexuality? Yeah, there's been a lot of research on that. And um, what kind of typically is thematic is two things. One, um, you end up internalizing a lot of that and trying to suppress those mm. things. And mm-hmm. and it just at some point starts to come out sideways, which yeah. you know creates unhealthy behaviors and things that could ultimately be destructive to you whether mm-hmm. you know you just decide to start doing some darker things or even just porn chats or looking at pornography mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, those things can ultimately become destructive especially when you're hiding it yeah um, and then the other thing that we've seen is that the way that people deal when their unhealthiness is by just main, kind of continuing yeah. maybe bad behaviors or unhealthy mm-hmm. behaviors and you know, especially for Christian community with such a focus on marriage, mm-hmm. um, man, if that kind of comes into that situation, then that can get really ugly really yeah. fast. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, man, unhealthy sexuality and not talking about it, it, it really, I think, contributes to a lot of issues that we're seeing yeah. today. You know, just look at the Catholic Church and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. no talk about sexuality and look at all of these sexual mm-hmm. abuse cases mm-hmm. and how that was not handled well. Um, and I think that's also occurring within evangelical churches. We just yeah. don't talk about it and yeah. it hasn't necessarily come out yeah. as big as we've seen with the Catholic Church. Well, we're not as, I think, unified as mm-hmm. the Catholic Church. So since we're so autonomous in a lot yeah. of our churches, there's not this huge web like the Catholic Church. It's like. Yeah, seventy-eight cardinals, or well, not cardinals, <laughs> seventy-eight uh, priests yeah, or pre- bishops, uh, or, bishops or, yeah. or something. Where churches like, oh, we had one in SoCal, one right. in NorCal, one in Denver, right. one here. So it's not like this bigger scandal, right? Um, right. But it, it is just as pervasive, um, absolutely. If not more, we don't, we just don't know. Yeah. Um, which is scary. Yeah. In a lot of ways. So what what has your journey been like in pursuing healthy sexuality? Yeah, so um, <laughs> that's a pretty heavy question, and <laughs> I will do my best because um, I have a heavy answer. Um, yeah, I feel like for me, having grown up in a Christian home that didn't talk about it, mm-hmm. and then going to youth groups that only said, you know, save your virginity, you know, be mm-hmm. a virgin, and, mm-hmm. you know, this needs to be a gift to your future spouse. Can we dive into that a little bit? Yeah, sure. Because... I've we had purity culture with Sarah Schwartz my first episode Um, but I think there's still some people just they don't get why the gift to your future spouse can be a harmful teaching because again it's framed in very positive language and there is something about sexuality that is a gift to the partner but why is that damaging why is that why can that be painful and hurtful yeah well I mean I I feel like biblically God did desire for us to be experiencing each other in marriage as Mm -hmm. our only experience Mm -hmm. because there is something beautiful that can come from that growth and you know you're not dealing with you know shame and you know, mm-hmm. other things mm-hmm. and guilt mm-hmm. that can mm-hmm. start to, to come in with that. But the reality is we're human beings. So, mm-hmm. 
you know, I feel like the the teachings, at least that I was exposed to, really talked about um, your virginity as as a gift to your spouse, mm-hmm. which, like you said, is you know, yeah, it's kind of a it sounds like a beautiful thing, and mm-hmm. how could that be harmful? For me, it was harmful. Um, because I wrapped my worthiness around Mm. my virginity. Mm. And so at any point, whether I gave it or it was taken from me, loaded me with a lot of shame. And I feel that, um, that isn't why we're supposed to remain chaste. Mm -hmm. And you look at what Mm -hmm. Paul says and you look in different areas of the Bible and really the the idea behind it is that it's actually a spiritual discipline Mm -hmm. and and you know you know any discipline you go to the gym you know you're like I'm gonna lose weight I'm gonna go to the gym right you (laughs) have all these great intentions (laughs) and and then your habits and your sin kind of step in and then like three months later you're just paying the fee and you're not going to the gym anymore Uh and I I think we are so I go to Planet Fitness because (laughs) it's only ten dollars a month there you go so I don't feel as bad if (laughs) I don't go that much instead of like a $30 membership. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So I, you know, but I think we're much more forgiving in things like that than we are when it comes to, oh, someone's lost their virginity because purity seems to be like the big goal. And Mm -hmm. when you refocus it in a sense as a discipline, and it isn't about your future spouse, because Mm -hmm. if you are giving that quote-unquote gift to God and saying right now I'm going to remain chaste because I'm focused on my relationship with you Mm -hmm. and then if I do get married and I did screw up or Mm -hmm. I did Mm -hmm. have some shame or Mm -hmm. something off of that then it isn't that I've hurt my spouse yeah it's that I've found healing and restoration through Christ Mm -hmm. and through God and now I can have a whole healthy sexual relationship with my spouse instead of feeling like somehow I've sinned against my spouse. And, and that was one of the things that was always told is that if you do somehow lose your virginity, you have sinned Mm -hmm. against the person you're supposed to be married to. Mm -hmm. And in that is a very unhealthy way Mm -hmm. of looking at sexuality. Mm -hmm. It just Mm -hmm. sets up a lot of people for failure. Yeah. Cause what if you're a virgin or you're not a virgin and your sex sucks like the first few months of marriage or the first year, the first few years of marriage, like that was all for not then. And there's, there's these questions of like, okay, what did we do wrong? Maybe can we, we're going to circle back to your story. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) But before we do that, um, can we dive a little bit more into, cause I think this is really important. Yeah. Um, virginity and keeping that. And especially if we're talking about healthy sexuality and especially from a woman's perspective. Yeah. I think when you think about marriage of two, you know, a man and a woman Mm -hmm. um, and Christian culture, it's kind of like the woman's thing that she can offer. This is Christian culture is virginity, kids, Mm -hmm. care and uh, beauty and beauty. And so so if that's if that's your thing, that's only four things. One of them you can't access yet because you're not having kids. Right. Um, And then the other one, if you don't have or if you have sex before you're married, is now gone and your virginity. And for men, yeah, it, I think the virginity pressure is there. But we have such a plethora. We're told of what we're bringing to marriage. Leadership, yeah. discipline, yeah. command, confidence, you know, the work, the yeah. breadwinner, all these different things that Christian culture is telling us. So when we lose virginity, it's not as high stakes. Yeah. And so the pressure becomes immensely on the woman because this is one of your four things yeah. you can give to your husband. Yeah. He's okay. He messed up, but he's got 30 others yeah. <laughs> he can give to you. Yeah. And so 
can we dive into because again i I have parents that are listening to this and kids of parents that are still struggling with seeing fully why this is hurtful and damaging well i want to give a little bit of historical context to it especially european context because that's what we tend to draw from Mm -hmm. um in in these conversations although there's other examples Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. but um if we think about like let's kind of cut to medieval times in europe and one of the values that was given to women was that they could maintain their chastity, their virginity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that became the honor of a family, mm-hmm. that your daughter was pure, because it was so highly unlikely that that would occur. Because one of the Got ways it. that people, when they had conflict, is they would ra- wage conflict was through rape. Wow. And so, so to protect your daughter from that would mean that you're someone special. And you're you're maybe winning the conflicts because you're yeah 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 so I believe that from that we've pulled this whole idea of virginity and enmeshed it Mm -hmm. in Christianity Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. kind of pulled this whole thing of where it becomes an honor thing especially from the father like the father it's I know so many dads it's purity balls different things we talked about this Mm -hmm. with Sarah Schwartz but of where it's like. I'm in control of this, yeah. and it's my duty as a husband. It's a, a beautiful, well-intentioned to like, right. protect and take right. care of, but the pressure you put on it because you are not in control right. of your daughter's body. Um, right. That belongs to God first, yep. um, and then to her second. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. she is in control, and she's human, and she's not getting married at 14 anymore. Right. Um, so she's got a little bit more puberty years and yeah. like where she's you know fully sexually aware and mm-hmm. awake that where you can't manage. Yeah. Um, and it's not just about you protecting it for, because the, the idea is you protect it for the husband. Right. Like the future husband. Right. And it's kind of this handing off. But look at that. What happens in that exchange? She never gets control over her sexuality. Right. It was Absolutely controlled by not. father and now it's controlled by husband. Exactly. Um, there's never this kind of independence yep. um, in who she is as a sexual woman. Yeah. So I, I feel that we definitely we have pulled from that mentality and mm-hmm. have maintained it. You even see it in some of the ways that this courting culture, Christian courting, <laughs> um, where dad will take your daughter and you give her a ring mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, which I think is well-intentioned, mm-hmm. but it is yeah. very much based off of this idea that um, this virginity for your daughter is the most important aspect of who mm-hmm. she is as a person. Mm-hmm. And um, and it, you as a father, it's like one of your mm-hmm. fundamental like mm-hmm. identities as a father is how good you can keep this. Right. And I've met men even here at the university that have talked about how they would never have married their wife if she wasn't a virgin yeah. or that there are, you know, students that have said, I'm not going to date someone if I find out that she's had sex with someone. Yeah. And these guys are addicted to porn and masturbating. Exactly. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that. And I'm like, you know, so they found the loophole for themselves. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which is just as damaging yeah. um, to, to sexual relationships. But um, yeah, it's, Definitely. Um, yeah. Wow. I'm just thinking about that and thinking, you know, there's such a double standard mm-hmm. in how we deal with this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the world that I teach in and sociology, it's like we see those things all the time. Um, I think what you were saying about um, just fathers and men feeling like, you know, they have the responsibility and then at the same time that they're, you know, kind of messing around and mm-hmm. finding loopholes mm-hmm. and things like that, that they're, um, you know, that that's what's pervasive. And women are well aware of it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, what I want to say about that is that women are well aware of those pressures. And so your worthiness and your value get wrapped up in how much you can keep and maintain your virginity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, th- and then the conversations become, well, but then what does it mean to be a virgin? And at what point, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. is that? And it's like, why are we having that conversation yeah. when we need to be talking about the whole idea of what what is sex and why are we created from the time we kind of hit puberty to have these feelings and you know we're not diving into that god created us to be sexual beings mm-hmm. we're not robots and mm-hmm. you know so yeah and what's funny is that for a lot of parents they probably had sex before they were married mm-hmm. and they may have been christian or may have not but they probably had sex before they're married and now they're putting all this pressure on their kids and their kid breaks that rule it's like you just yeah. devastate it's like have you not like gotten grace? Like when yeah. if I've experienced, you know, I was addicted to porn for probably seven years. Mm-hmm. So now when I encounter a guy who's addicted to it, it's not immediate like shame. It's like, oh, I understand yeah. why you were drawn to that. Exactly. And it, but it's weird. It's like this, this pressure. And and again, if you are a parent or you are even not a parent yet, but you have the ideas of like, I don't see why this is bad. Right. We're not saying that you're bad. Right. Um, you are well intentioned. You are seeking to protect your family and care for your family, yeah. and it's you are good. And there's so many good things about that. Right. But yeah, we gotta understand just because if the motivation is good, if the impact is terrible. So, for right. instance, I'm not gonna compare purity culture to the Crusades, <laughs> but <laughs> the Crusades, the intention was to have a, a sanctified people, right? Um, to have people come to faith in Jesus. Good intention. We all agree with that. Amen. Mm-hmm. Problem was. The impact was murder yeah. <laughs> and force yeah. and gain or sh- or how much just said the S word <laughs> um, <laughs> guilt and shame. I combined the two words, um, <laughs> but it, it was all these negative things. And so we as a generation now look back in the Crusades and say they're crazy. Right. Um, but we now this isn't the Crusades. We're not killing anyone here, um, but we are damaging. Yeah. Uh, and I, I would actually say. In a lot of ways, because of how horribly this has been handled through the church, mm-hmm. I do think that we are killing people's yes. um, spirits, yeah. and yeah. they're you know, and we're leading them into theology about sexuality that is incorrect, mm-hmm. and and so because of that, they spend the rest of their lives trying to negotiate out mm-hmm. their worthiness and mm-hmm. how you know what sexuality is supposed to look like, and I think the the shame of that. Speaking of shame, the shame of that is that God did not intend for sexuality and sex to be a guilty thing, a guilty pleasure. And mm-hmm. so, you know, when you're dealing with those things, you don't have the freedom to like we see in Song of Solomon, like we see this freedom of sexuality. Mm-hmm. He had not had sex with her yet, but he was talking mm-hmm. about her her breasts and her mm-hmm. neck and how mm-hmm. beautiful she is. And some yet- weird language, though, about goats and. <laughs> Her hair is like the goats or the field exactly. or something weird, weird stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I well, it's so funny because I actually think that means that her hair was was dark brown yeah. and you yeah, know, yeah. but um, we just don't get it. <laughs> yeah, for us, we're like, yeah, I, I really actually, don't want to be compared to a goat. <laughs> so we'll be having a podcast coming out in season three uh, or maybe season two, season three on uh-huh. Song of Solomon. Oh, great, um, great, yeah. Professor here at Biola. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, I I think just briefly, like I just think it's profound to look at how freely he talks about how beautiful mm-hmm. she is and mm-hmm. how sexually attracted he is to her, mm-hmm. and then he reminds himself like it's not time yet. Like I yeah. can't open that garden. Is that where it says don't awaken love until it's time? Yeah. 
Yeah, which is funny because that one's used as like a very oppressive yeah, <laughs> uh, right. phrase. But I mean, I, man, he's a man, she's a woman, and you yeah. know that they're struggling with their purity at that point, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, but we don't talk about the fact that that that's okay. Yeah, it's a beautiful struggle. Yeah. It's not like this, you're the worst struggle. It's like that's right. a normal, beautiful, right. God-given struggle, but yep. it, it's a still a struggle. Yeah. So let's let's circle back to your story because yeah. we <laughs> I pulled us away into a rabbit trail. <laughs> that's okay. It was a good trail. <laughs> it was it was residue from the purity culture episode that I think we needed to clear up. Yeah, uh, that's but I great. think you were the perfect person to speak into it. So you were kind of taught growing up that your virginity was this big gift you could give. Yeah. And so where did that kind of take you after that? So it took me into fear, mm-hmm. to be honest. Like it didn't I didn't know how to relate to guys on a sexual level and so I shut it down completely. I, I remember this poor guy. I was <laughs> it was my junior year of high school. I'd been asked to the Sadie or I he had, you know he said, "Hey, I'll, I'll go to Sadie Hawkins if you want." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay." Um and he was kind of like this dreamy like guy or whatever yeah. and you know, kind of popular at school, whatever that old <laughs> high school story is. Um, and anyway, I just remember we went on this date and we went to Sadie yeah. Hawkins and then we're sitting in his truck at the end of the night. And he's like, oh, the moon is so full. It's so beautiful. And I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> oh, no. Here it comes. Here it comes. <laughs> and I just remember like rolling down the window and looking out the window going, yeah, it's great. Got to go. <laughs> just, like leaving. And you know, and it's funny, but at the same time, how sad that I didn't know how to negotiate yeah. that. Like, yeah. how sad that I couldn't have a conversation with him like, hey, look, mm-hmm. I think you're awesome, mm-hmm. um, you know, or even to allow myself to maybe kiss. Yeah. Like, what's wrong with that? Yeah. You know? Um, and so, you know, I think it, it bred a lot of fear because the conversation wasn't, hey, you know, it isn't that you kiss and then you have sex. There's like mm-hmm. a lot of things that happen in between. <laughs> well, I know some folks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It might be the movies. It's just one step and you're there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Of the hot tub and you're pregnant. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can't get pregnant in a hot tub. I'm just kidding. Actually, that's a myth. So yeah, if good. you uh, if you were listening and you're planning on having sex in a yeah. hot tub so you can get away with it, you can't. They have disproved yeah. it in science. Exactly. Science exactly. says it, not me. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, but I, I, I felt like for me... I just wasn't armed with enough um, information for myself, and it just developed into a lot of fear, mm-hmm. and and that really was started at the start of an unhealthy relationship with guys. Because mm-hmm. what would happen was, is I would be really good friends, and and things would start to get close, and then I would play the friend card, and then kind of ghost them a little bit, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, and and that's really just not fair to them. It wasn't fair to me. To, I didn't mm-hmm. develop. Mm-hmm. And and it wasn't until I was called out by um, a friend of mine in college when I was getting my master's in social work where he was just like, and apparently he had been interested in me. But I, at that point, <laughs> I had shut down. Yeah. I'd shut that part of me down yeah. trying to hold on to my virginity. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and he called me out and he's just like, you're you're playing with people. Mm. You're playing with them. You're playing with their hearts. And at, and at that point, I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, what yeah. am I doing? Which, granted, some guys say that to pretty much every girl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right. That's true. I mean, it could have been a line. But, I yeah. mean, in that point of my life, um, I was 24 and still a virgin and had not had a significant relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so what I ended up doing after that was I went to Spain to celebrate um, 
my graduation from grad school and and then was put in a situation where I actually kissed a guy wow. and then was like, oh my gosh, what does that mean? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> Did because, I just lose my virginity? Yeah, exactly. Did I lose my yeah. Is this what sex is like? <laughs> is this sex? <laughs> Am I pregnant? <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so I came back home and like I felt guilty. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why do I feel guilty? It was just a mm-hmm. kiss. It wasn't mm-hmm. like we, you know, like mm-hmm. I you know, so anyway, cut to about three years later and I was working a lot, traveling around the world a lot for different things and um and so met this guy online and was like I'll go hang out with him. He seemed pretty legit. Mm-hmm. Um, was on my way to fly out there, and a friend of mine called me and was like, "Hey, man, I don't, I don't have a good feeling about this. Like, I just feel like you're not supposed to go." And I'm like, "Eh, I've been all over the world. I've backpacked in Brazil for two months, you know, by myself." Um, so I thought I can handle this. Ended up going out there, and um, he was picked me up from the hotel to take me out to lunch and we ended up in a warehouse district and he was like hey i want to show you something and i was thinking oh maybe he put like a romantic dinner in this warehouse um ended up um luring me into this warehouse area and um he pulled out a knife and ended up raping me um and then i could tell in you know he was pretty crazy um i could tell he was struggling with because i i was just like distraught at that point screaming yeah. and distraught yeah. and i could tell he was like he was pacing he was really upset and so he's like i gotta go and so he leaves yeah. for a little bit and i find out that i'm locked in because the lock was on the outside mm-hmm. so i'm locked into this warehouse and i'm laying in on the floor just kind of like what in the world just had like what just mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. um and so praying through that feeling really traumatized um, he ends up coming back and I end up um, talking him into, these are my survival skills, honestly, yeah. talking him into believing that I would go on a date with him that night if he let me go back and freshen up. Mm-hmm. And so he took me back to the hotel believing, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like playing, you know, playing into, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I go back to the hotel and immediately head out to the airport and come home. Mm-hmm. And... I remember not only the feeling of raw, just something was completely taken and I was in this traumatic situation. But on top of that, I felt like I just lost my worth. Mm -hmm. I just lost my value to some man someday because Mm -hmm. I lost my virginity. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing that was going through my head as I lost Mm -hmm. my virginity. And to me, I mean, looking back now in hindsight, that was like 20 years ago. I look back and I'm like where was my head with that? Like, you know, why would I, why would that be the first thing that I thought of is that now I'm unworthy. No man's going to want me. And it, and really uh, through counseling and just a couple good loving friends and being able Mm -hmm. to kind of unpack that over a few years. um, I realized that it was because we just don't talk about sexuality in a healthy way Mm -hmm. in our church environments. We Mm -hmm. don't. Um, and so it created a tape in my head that this gift was now broken and somehow I am broken and unworthy of love and, and a sexual relationship and marriage. Um, and so, yeah, so that's a a lot why I, I believe this is so important for me Mm -hmm. to talk about these topics and why I've gotten to a place Mm -hmm. where I'm comfortable sharing this stuff. Um, mainly because I would like people to not have to feel the same way I felt, Yeah, you know? 
Yeah. And if you, in the, in the first part of how we were talking about purity culture and just men who, and fathers who well-intentioned, this, this is why. Yeah. Um, oh man. Yeah. It was rough. And I'll, yeah. I'll say this, you know, one of the things that ended up happening is, um, my dad was a very aloof father and he did the whole traditional, I'm, I'm going to work hard and make sure we have money yeah. and not show up to any of your events. Um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. for some reason in, in the course of the healing that God brought into my life, um, my dad, became one of the people that was part of the healing because for the first time, like I sat down, I remember sitting on the couch. My dad did not tell me I love you when I was a kid. Like we have a very rough mm-hmm. kind of background, you know? And, um, and I just remember weeping and weeping and he was like, you know, Miha, what's wrong? And I'm like, yeah. I find I was like, I was raped. Yeah. And I just remember him sitting and stroking my hair and he's like, it's okay. We love you. It's okay. It's okay. God's going to heal you. I was, and that was the beginning of a healing yeah. with my father because now, unfortunately, through my brokenness, now we're talking about sexuality. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and why did it have to take that mm-hmm. for that conversation to happen? Unfortunately, I think that is the scenario for most Christian families. They think, oh, I'm going to give them these points and we're going to follow this guideline that somebody's mm-hmm. telling us is going to mm-hmm. help us have, you know, our kids avoid pain mm-hmm. in sexuality. And then here it happens because yeah. we didn't arm ourselves well yeah, um, or arm our children well. So, yeah. yeah. And in the first, first season, we have uh, an episode on sexual assault and just mm-hmm. consent. And we talk a little bit about, um, just the rhetoric of politics today and how we don't believe women who have been abused or raped or assaulted. And we talked a little bit about how like fathers and brothers and like, be careful of the rhetoric you're using around women because you're showing them what's safe and if you're safe or not. And so to think that you could be a father and your daughter wouldn't feel comfortable telling, telling you, and maybe that's not because you made outlandish statements but just because you refused to talk about it and you endorsed the narrative that her virginity was everything yep and now when it was taken from her by nothing she did nothing she's responsible for nothing that she has to apologize for or be forgiven for and she's terrified yep not because you're you know promoting these rapists or assaults but because you're taking place in this narrative that's putting so much pressure yeah um on women to yeah it, it yeah. I'm in a I'm in a tender week right now, and yeah. this this is just hitting me. And just I, we long for better fathers, we yeah. long for better mothers, um, and in all of that, you have Jesus, yeah, um, exactly, who is the better father yeah. and the better mother, um, who is there, and he believes you, and he sees you, and he understands, and he doesn't need to forgive you because you didn't do anything right, wrong, right? Um, there's no need for forgiveness. Yeah. Um, your virginity is not tied to your physical state, but right. it's tied to a purity with God that can't be taken from you. Exactly. Um, but you know, and uh, yeah. just in you saying that, I, I think that was the biggest struggle because I didn't believe that because for so many years, I mean, I held on to my virginity till I was like almost 30. Yeah. And it really, and, and the thing that through counseling that I I had to come to grips with was I still had my virginity because yes. what was taken yes. from me wasn't sexual it was not it was it was almost like an act of violence Mm -hmm. it was an act of violence yeah there wasn't consent yeah and so it wasn't anything that would mirror what intimacy is supposed to look like and what god designed for that 
And, and that was the beginning of my healing was just understanding that, you know, even, even if I had consented, let's Mm -hmm. even say that, even if I had consented that what steps that happen after that are not supposed to be filled with guilt and shame because that's where Satan is going to just twist you up as a person Mm -hmm. and spit you out Mm -hmm. and you'll develop unhealthy patterns. I actually did. I didn't tell anybody, believe it or not, I'm here. I am. I'm a clinical social worker talking Mm -hmm. to other people, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. reporting things. I Mm -hmm. could not report this to anybody. And you know, and I, I did not tell anybody for like a year Mm -hmm. and what actually got me to the point of telling someone is I received a phone call apparently from somebody who got my number off of this guy's cell phone that had done this to me. And she said, I heard that this, he admitted he did this to you. Wow. Why didn't you say anything? Because there's a 19 year old girl in the hospital right now. He just, he almost Man. killed her. Man. And so then, then on top of that, the guilt of that, right? Yeah. So that oh was when I gosh. finally reached out because my pride as a Christian yeah. was wrapped around my identity as this Christian virgin. Mm -hmm. And that is what prevented me from seeking help to begin with. So for me, I just encourage anybody, especially, you know, if you're listening to this and you've gone through uh, a traumatic event, and even Mm -hmm. if you were consensual in a sexual encounter and you're feeling guilt, the next step is to talk to somebody. You need to talk to a safe person Mm -hmm. who's going to give you Mm -hmm. good advice on how to step towards healing because God Mm -hmm. has that for you. God totally has healing. I, I can talk about this now because, you know, I went ahead from that point forward and sought help and had those conversations so that when I married my husband, I was open to our sexual intimacy in a way yeah. that I wouldn't have been if I kept it stuffed down. Yeah. And I would say the same thing with anybody struggling with pornography mm-hmm. or masturbation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. any of those things. You, you really, if you want and desire a healthy sexual relationship in the way that God intended, it should be beautiful and fun and, yeah. you know, and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And, and um, just like there's an innocence to it as well, yeah, like a playfulness. Like a playfulness and an exploration. It's yeah. like adventure, you know. Yeah. And, and if you desire to have that then you have to stop the behaviors you're in by seeking help yeah and and you know because if i wouldn't have you know i i i actually ended up having a one-night stand pretty soon after that and i know 100 percent it was because i was trying to get rid of Mm -hmm. what had happened to Mm -hmm. me and Mm -hmm. so i placed myself in a situation to -hmm. where that could have rolled out to like two three four five sexual you know, encounters with different people, strangers or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and, and that could have really had a disastrous result. So yeah. I'm grateful that it stopped at the point that it did. But, you know, like I said, those next steps are very important. Yeah. And if you are a man and you're making comments like, I can only marry a, mer- a virgin, <sighs> I can't date someone who's been through this. Because there's, there's two components here. There's the shame of you lost your virginity, mm-hmm. which it wasn't you doing it. But say... It was not that experience, and it was a consent experience. Right. Um, right. There's a shame of that, but then you have side two there of you get this phone call about, and which brings on more guilt, right? Um, more shame, and, and now another guy would be like, "I don't want to deal with that emotional baggage." Exactly. And it's like, <sighs> check your heart. Um, if you are a man and you are saying these things, or even if you're a woman and saying these things. You need to check where the love of Jesus is flowing into you. Yeah. Because if you can't extend love to someone who's been through something traumatic, mm-hmm. who's something's been through something that wasn't their fault, who's yeah. someone who's been through something that even they consented to, but it was just naive and yeah. unwise. Yeah. And if that disqualifies them from your love, 
yep. and from your companionship. Now, there's a plethora of other reasons why you shouldn't marry someone. <laughs> yeah, but right. But if that's the reason that disqualifies them from receiving your love in an intimate, romantic way, yeah. Yeah. then I would question how much love of Jesus is truly in you. Yeah. And I'm not saying this in a, in a judgment way, but I'm saying, man, maybe there's probably something in you that's not experiencing the love of Jesus because mm-hmm. often how you view yourself is what you're projecting out to others. Right. And so if you can't extend love to this person, her brokenness, it's probably because you have brokenness in your own life and in your mm-hmm. own way that you're not allowing the love of yeah. Jesus to enter in as well. And exactly. you're not loving yourself in that. So if you are, especially if you're a man, because this is men that are primarily saying this, that I will not marry a woman unless she's a virgin. I right. said that when I was 16. Yeah. Um, and I was struggling with pornography for three years. And right, right. <laughs> as I got older, I'm like, man, if anything, I want a woman who's like experienced some things because she'll understand. Like right. she'll get me. Right. Um, but that's because I did my own work in realizing I have all this brokenness and yeah. darkness within me. Yeah. And people who don't think they have that brokenness and darkness. Either you are gifted by angels of a parents and angels of a culture and angels of society because not only did your parents raise you well, yep. your friends were all treating you well, your school treated you well, your academics didn't create an unhealthy performance and perfectionism. You had everything going right that you don't have these deep levels of brokenness. You're right. awesome. Good for right. you. Right. But yeah, <laughs> that's not normal. And it's that's very not rare. The 99%. Yeah. And I, w- I would say that those those individuals do exist. I've, I've met yes, people yes. who have been fortunate enough to be in an environment where there was almost like a bubble of yeah. you know protection i know or, some missionary kids who just yeah. had awesome missionary parents and yeah. just lived in a culture and climate that just loved them well but the problem becomes now when you leave that environment and mm-hmm. step into other environments is that what you were saying it's like you know at what level does your love and and trump your judgment mm-hmm. because we're not called to judge and you know the one thing that i i'll just say this the one thing i think that is most important is the heart that someone has for jesus mm. the goal shouldn't be whether or not they're virgins and what mm-hmm. kind of background they come from whether or not they're type a or type b right. whether or not they've right. done this or done that and... you know i mean it, when when christ is in the center of any relationship and of course there's wisdom to who you're choosing but you know if christ is the center of their lives then why are you getting tripped up over the fact that they might have had sex before? Yeah. You know, because they've, that's, you know. It's silly. It's yeah. silly. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, 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 let's come back up for our viewers here. Yeah. And come back up to the lighter <laughs> yeah. of topics. Okay. Woo, everyone take that a deep, deep breath. That was deep. We're coming back um, up for air. And if you were triggered right now and you need to go talk to someone, just turn this yeah. off right now. And, yeah. and you don't need to listen to the rest of this. But we're not going to hopefully go as deep <laughs> for the rest of this podcast. But if that was a lot for you, I highly recommend you stopping and going to talk to someone you yeah, trust. Um, but. Okay, what a question I want to talk about. Um, we have a few questions here uh, left, but one of the questions I want to talk about is kind of how do you live out healthy sexuality? Mm-hmm. Um, and let's like go through different arenas. When you're maybe a high school girl, um, when you're a girl in college or like young adult range, um, yeah. and then as you get older, but then also like single, dating, married, what does that look like in those different arenas? Or do they all kind of look the same? And there's this kind of basis for it. Yeah. So I'm going to just, I'm going to start with giving kind of a, maybe an analogy. But I think that like, if I were to kind of go back to this healthy eating, healthy lifestyle Mm -hmm. thing, Mm -hmm. you know, I can, I can eat healthy and I can eat and make healthy choices. But if I think that I'm, because of how I'm eating, going to be free from getting sick or having Mm -hmm. cancer Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. any of that stuff, then I'm deluded. Yeah. 
And I think in the same way, we need to have a, a realization that as much as we could feel prepared spiritually um, and, and emotionally and making wise choices and teaching our kids how to make wise choices when they date or ourselves, mm-hmm. um, the reality is that sin exists and things are going to happen. Like what happened yeah. to me? Yeah. You know, and so, um, you know, I, I, I would say when we're talking about healthy sexuality, the first thing to throw out is what that looks like. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. yes, God in, would love for us to have, like I said before, this <laughs> yeah. wonderful experience of first time both of and you. And there's just like and, this one model yeah. for everyone to follow. <laughs> but I think I think that you have to kind of take it in the same way you would take healthy eating, which is, you know, what what is being said out there that mm-hmm. is wise? Mm-hmm. What are people that I trust that are, have mm-hmm. biblical knowledge about this? And even non-biblical knowledge, because truth can also... We can also find God's wisdom in psych- psychology yeah, how or he created the brain. And yeah. How he you know, the body. Yeah. So I think kind of listening what's out there, what's wise, like teaching your children how to navigate the Internet, mm-hmm. maybe being a little <laughs> more careful about that. Um, and when they get exposed to yeah, those types of maybe things, maybe not giving them a smartphone until yeah. they are a little bit more understanding of yeah. what they're putting into their body. Yeah. But as mind. a. As a parent, I I would just say this. One of the things my husband and I have come to agreement on based on our experiences and our faith is that what we feel we need to teach our children is moderation Hmm. and learning how how to live a life of moderation. Mm -hmm. And that includes your sexuality, which means that you every person is different. And so what triggers one of my sons and he'll be like, "Okay, this is too much. And he'll get up and have to leave if we're watching a movie. And it may not even be anything that would trigger my other son or my husband visually but for yeah. some reason it's triggering one of them yep. you know they just get up for a second walk away and then you know when that's over they come back yeah and i think you know teaching that you're going to feel feelings and you're going to have feelings like but what what is that supposed to mean that's supposed mm-hmm. to mean now that means that i need to press into god even more mm-hmm. right now because it's not time yet mm-hmm. you know like we sing in song of solomon yeah. it's not time yet for me to open up this garden and realizing that those things are inherently good right it's just how we use them sometimes mm-hmm. how we use them is the negative yeah absolutely but they're a good thing like so for instance i haven't seen game of thrones uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is a very i mean the last season sucked apparently um but i didn't watch game of thrones just because that is one of my there is a lot of nudity and a lot of sex and that is a lot of like how I got into pornography was scenes like that Um, not the violence but scenes that are more like movie style scenes and so I can't watch it and I just know that about myself and if there's any other kind of movie like that I just have to leave the room but I have other friends who can watch Game of Thrones who don't have the same experience as me and it's still healthy according to sexuality now obviously I think there is some baseline of what (laughs) it's not like some guys can watch porn and some can't right. like there's that's right. probably a, a no-no on the most part yeah um but there is some wiggle room in here and figuring out yeah. okay just like you know i'm italian so i naturally just eat a ton of carbs <laughs> and so my diet consists of a lot of carbs and so that means i'm gonna have a big belly but nothing else in my body's gonna gain a lot of fat because of just my genetics right so knowing that i can adjust my diet a little bit accordingly yep. but that doesn't mean that my diet should now go for everyone there's a right. way to live healthily within each of us in our right. cultures in our understanding in our context um, and even our genders and our yeah. bodies yeah and i think that that type of approach lends to healthy conversations which mm-hmm. healthy conversations are honest mm-hmm. and and you know to me i think to be for me, in my healing, what I felt 
was the most important aspect of having healthy sexuality for my future mm-hmm. was learning how to have those conversations and learning how to have those conversations with God. Yeah. And and to be real and honest. Like, you know, I I, tr- I trip up sometimes over King David and how he's called the man after God's own heart because <laughs> if that's God's heart, <laughs> all the crap that he did, yeah. you know, I mean, he was a murderer, adulteress. I mean, we uh-huh. know. Mm-hmm. Um, his kids raped each. I mean, it's just insane. Yep. Yep. And I'm thinking that should be a, a, a clue to us that healthy sexuality is wrapped in healthy conversation with God. Hmm. It isn't the action necessarily. God will curb that. If there's yeah. like something happening or there's been a brokenness or there, and he will restore that. But the focus has to be that we are seeking him in an honest way. Mm-hmm. And if we, I, I feel like if I had been taught to seek God in an honest way about my sexuality, about, about, and that he can handle it. And that he can handle it. Yeah. And that other Christians can handle it when yeah. I when I reach out. That they can handle it and they're not going to get like, you know, turn blue or red or whatever yeah. because they're so embarrassed and they don't want to talk about it. You know, and it's okay. I'll just say this to those parents listening. It's okay to tell your kids, you know what, I, I really don't know how to answer that for mm-hmm. you right now. And, and give yourself some breathing time to look mm-hmm. into the word and to talk to other parents and maybe somebody at your church. But you'd hope that your kids are asking you because yeah. that means they feel comfortable enough exactly. and secure enough and that you've been a resource for them enough to ask those things. So if your yeah. parents are, if your kids aren't asking you about sex into their early teenage years, yeah. it's not because they're not wondering about it. Yeah. It's because they don't trust you. And, and I would say, so in that situation, I would encourage parents to start asking questions around it until you get to it. Yeah. Because then you're going to build trust and rapport yeah. with your teens mm-hmm. because they, they have to be able, like, I just could not tell my parents. It took me so long and I was an adult because of just the way our relationship was. And yeah. so it becomes so important to have those, be able to have those conversations with the people who love you the most. Can I tell a funny story about sure. my parents with sex? Um, <laughs> so my parents didn't know how to talk to me about sex, but my mom caught me masturbating. Well, she caught me like touching myself uh-huh. <laughs> when I had like uh-huh. sixth grade. Um, but she didn't know how to talk to me about sex. Um, and so she's like, your father will talk to you. He never talked to me. Because mm-hmm. I mean, it's culturally, they just didn't know how. Yeah. So they gave me this book. Hmm. Um, this book's about like sex and sexuality, but it's, it's basically just like almost like a picture book. So a picture book with big words. Right. And so I was in the stage of life where you're experiencing your intelligence as a young kid and you're starting to use big words because you think it makes you smarter. Right. And so I was in the pattern of learning big words and just using them in casual conversation, even if they didn't mean anything, Uh just because I could say big words. Uh And so one of the words I learned was uterus. Um, (laughs) Again, somehow I read the book, did not read the definition, right. just saw the big word uterus, and I'm like, yeah. I'm going to use that. Um, so I'm at winter camp in seventh grade, Oh no! and the theme of the camp is mosaic, uh-huh. um, which is the body of Christ kind okay. of thing. We all are part of the body of Christ. We all fit in. And so we go to small group time, and it's a bunch of guys in our leader, and they like go around and they're like, hey, guys, like, what part of the body of Christ do you think you are? <laughs> And so I knew enough that the uterus was a part of the body. And so I sit there and I go, oh, I'd be the uterus. <laughs> and again, not knowing what the uterus is. I just right, knew it was right. a part of the body. Oh, my and, goodness. And uh, my leaders just like both looked at each other like, what? <laughs> Who are this kid's parents? <laughs> what and is then, he been reading? And then they laughed. And I like then laughed like, oh, yeah, I know. I know what I was talking about. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, just oh, to give a, a funny anecdote yeah. of just like by not talking about it to right. me. Right. Uh, I still figured out some stuff. <laughs> right. 
and I took it and used it. Yeah. Um, and then most kids find it out through porn and find it right. out through other things. So it's, right. it's so huge to create that rapport right. with your kids of like, this is open conversation. I think you don't have to do it through sexuality. It's not like you have to approach your kid and be like, hey, do you want to know how sex works or right. do you want to know what this is? But like start it with like their emotions. Start it with their like interests. Start it yeah. with other things where there's this open dialogue uh, yeah. between you and your kids. A good way to start with that is what do you what what do your friends say about sex? Yeah, I mean put <laughs> it off. Not on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put, put it off, and, and then you're getting a kind of a, a pretty big eye opener onto yeah. how deep kids actually talk about it, yeah. and you know the confusion or the craziness that comes along with that. But yeah, yeah, it was funny when you were saying that. I was like, your parents handed you this book without talking to you, and I'm like, they pretty much handed you a pornography book. Yeah. A book on pornography. Mm-hmm. So they set the stage for and you. And I don't to... think I hit puberty yet. Yeah. I, I started masturbating before I hit puberty. Yeah. Long story. And I talked about it in one of the podcasts. Um, so for me, my first experiences of any type of sexual things were pure curiosity. Like I masturbated out of curiosity right. and pleasure. There right. was nothing inherently lustful right. or about the other gender about it. It was this weird bodily experience. And I, I actually just want to encourage you because a lot of young men do oh, that. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. it's just you don't, because especially if you don't have anyone telling you yeah. why your body's doing don't what it's doing. Don't touch your thing is like yeah. what they tell you. Right. So, yeah, don't touch that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now uh, I want to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now what? there's something here that I want there's to There's a hidden about secret about yeah. that. Somewhere. You guys are keeping something from me about <laughs> this thing. Good, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, it's not only for going to the bathroom. There's something else here. <laughs> yeah, huh? exactly. Uh, okay. So, to kind of close our time, we'll end with two questions um the first one is kind of what is your hope for women Mm. um in pursuing healthy sexuality yeah my hope um for women is that they will experience the freedom that comes with sexuality um as i actually call it as a form of worship Mm. um because your sexuality is created god gave that to us and and when you are using that in the way that is pleasing to God because of how he created it, you are actually giving him glory. Hmm. And that's the beautiful thing about, you know, being married and having this open sexual relationship with each other is being able to approach it in that way. And so because Satan hates marriage and he hates that so much, mm-hmm. I, I believe that we encounter until that happens. And for some women, it may never happen, mm-hmm. but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a reality too. Mm-hmm. I don't want to put pressure that that's, you know, the only way you can experience your sexuality. Mm-hmm. But, um, but when it happens within the context of that, that there is this beautiful freedom that happens. Yeah. And, and even for those women who are struggling because they feel ready for, you know, sex, um, you know, to be able to have the freedom to have those conversations without judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, because my fear is that they will go into these dark places with their sexuality and that they will end up in a lifetime of guilt and shame mm-hmm. and that that will ultimately keep them from experiencing yeah. what God desires for us to experience as sexual beings. Yeah. My heart breaks for couples who get married and like their sexual lives just suck. And yeah. sometimes there's normal reasons for that. But a lot of times it's because of the shame and guilt. Yeah. Because they spent so many years hating their sexuality, shutting it off and feeling so much guilt and shame about any expression of it yeah. that now they do some of those expressions with their husband that they did with a boyfriend or something. Yeah. And all it is is shame. And yep. it's like for me in a silly example, it's like even if you were a glutton, let's say, mm-hmm. and you like didn't interact with food well, you interact in a way that wasn't God designed. Right. It doesn't mean now when you eat a good burger you have to feel shame about it. Right. It should be this delightful, euphoric, <laughs> like right. good experience yeah. eating this really good food. Just because you 
maybe used to use it in a way that wasn't the God design way, right. doesn't mean now when you have good food and a good relationship in the right context yeah. that you should still feel that. But maybe it's because we push so much pressure on them to feel like they should hate yeah. their sexuality. Absolutely. So then what, moving from that, um, that's like individuals, what would be your hope for the church mm. um, and talking about healthy sexuality and specifically with women? Yeah. You know, I think that um, I've seen a few places do this and I've really appreciated that where mm-hmm. in front of the entire body, they'll have women like me who have an experience um, come and to share maybe on a panel or things like that so that it opens the dialogue for the church body. And then as a result of that, have groups where men and women can go to continue that conversation. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good way to start because, you know, that's why I share my story because Mm -hmm. I, I don't want people to live their lives in shame and guilt and, you know, and I could have experienced guilt even having the one night stand afterwards because that was not, you know, even though psychologically we can understand it was part yeah. of my yeah, process, yeah, yeah, yeah. it still was my choice to keep going down that road because I felt that worthiness, you know, yeah. worthlessness and yeah. stuff. And so I would really hope that the church would do things like this, like the podcast you're doing mm-hmm. and have these kinds of open dialogues where people talk about, you know, different perspectives on sexuality within the Christian church, because mm-hmm. maybe someone isn't going to agree with me. And that's okay. But I, I, my, my thing is I would like people to have these conversations so people do not get trapped mm-hmm. in sin or get trapped in guilt and shame. Yeah, and me and LaDon were talking before this, and I was talking about how my hope for the Hope Project is that it's not needed, mm-hmm. um, that I wouldn't, there wouldn't be any need for this. And not that I'm reaching millions of people by any yeah. means, but the hope is that you take these conversations and start to have them with your friends mm-hmm. um, and start to have them with your pastors and with your churches and that the church becomes the beacon of hope. Yes. Um, the hope project isn't talking about hope that is found through this podcast or even found that just is talking about these things somehow brings hope. The hope is found in Jesus Amen. and in his people. Yep. Um, but for a while now, the church in America specifically has kind of taken the hope reality out of the conversation on sexuality. And so, yeah, if, if you are listening to this, my hope for you is that you would have these conversations where you don't even need to listen to this podcast anymore yep. because you're already talking about it. It's the same thing like with the counseling experience. The hope is that you become so healthy through these counseling experiences or you had a lack, so you go into counseling. But the hope is that eventually you start to have these relationships with someone else, yep. like healthy attachment, good conversations, yep. pursuing God together. And that's mm-hmm. what the church is supposed to be. Yep. Um, but because of some misguided pastors, some terrible pastors, mm-hmm. um, we have missed it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's my rant on the church. No. <laughs> I love the church, but, yeah. but I, I can critique her, uh, yeah. but I'm going to give my life to her. But thank you, LaDon. Yeah. Um, this has been so incredible. Um, and I know people are really going to be blessed by it. So thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having me. And we just want to make a note that if LaDon's story today brought up some stuff in you or welled up some stories that you have, that you would talk to someone about it. Please don't listen to this podcast and go into hiding, go into silence. We hear you, we love you, we see you, and God is for you. And so we just ask and hope that you would reach out to someone that you can trust and that is safe, and that you would talk to them about what has been welling up inside of you as a result of this podcast. And again, if you could leave us a review or share this episode with someone you think it might impact, this all greatly helps us 
do what we are trying to do on this podcast, which is bring hope to those who are struggling with their sexuality, who are struggling with their sexual lives, who are struggling with even the idea of what it means to be sexual. We hope that LaDawn's words blessed you, give you hope for your sexuality, and helped you view it not as something evil or bad or wrong, but something that is good and holy and blessed by God. And as always, may the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.